This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. We are in our Lazarus Life series. It's week something teen. I don't honestly remember. I think 13 is, is where we're at. And today we're in part three of Get Those Grave Clothes Off. So we have hit the point in the, the Lazarus series. Like, I don't know if you've ever binged a, a Netflix series and it has the little button at the beginning that pops up every time that says skip intro. Um, so we have hit the point of we've just got to skip the intro every week, okay? Or we're, we're literally never going to get through this. So, um, so today we're going to jump right in. Lazarus' story is in John chapter 11. The five-second summary is Lazarus dies and Jesus raises him from the dead. If you want to know what happens before that, uh, go read John chapter 11 this afternoon or listen to the previous 12 weeks' worth of messages and, and get caught up with us. Your choice. Uh, or do both. Uh, but today, John chapter 11, verse 43, we're going to talk about what it means for us to let others take the grave clothes off of us. So if you have a Bible, if not, it'll be here on the screens. Verse 43, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So just a quick reminder for you, Lazarus would have been buried in a, a large shroud that would have went from his head to his feet, back up, and maybe even back down again. And then around his head and around his arms, they would have taken extra linen, they would have wrapped it around his head, they would have wrapped it around his arms to hold them together, and they would have wrapped it around his feet. So when Jesus says, Lazarus, come out... What has to happen is Lazarus in there, fully in the dark, has to roll himself off of the shelf in the side of the cave. He hobbles out to the exit of his tomb, and then he stands there with these nasty, dirty burial cloths that he has seeped and leaked and deteriorated into for four days, and he's kind of stuck there. And that's where we have stayed for the last three weeks. And so we've talked about what it looks like for us to be a community that helps get the grave clothes off of other people. Last week, we talked about the Tulsa Race Massacre and talked about how sometimes the places where we live, the people that we're raised by, the time in which we live can place grave clothes on us that we need help to get rid of. And today, we're going to get to the point where, where it gets a little more uncomfortable for us where we have to talk about what's it look like for me to let others get my grave clothes off, the ones that I maybe have willfully put on myself, the ones that I maybe have joyfully wrapped myself up in, the ones that maybe I know about and maybe some of them that I don't know about. What's it look like to surrender to that experience of community where others come and get the grave clothes off of me? Now, I've told you since we started this series that the Lazarus story is really kind of a, a microcosm of the gospel. Right? And, and so in Lazarus' story, we're learning ideas that are expounded on all through the New Testament. One of the things that Lazarus' story teaches us is that when Jesus shows up in our life, he changes everything, right? That our lives should be radically different before Jesus shows up and after Jesus shows up. And Lazarus obviously is a great example of this. Before Jesus comes to Bethany, Lazarus is dead in a tomb. After Jesus comes to Bethany, Lazarus is alive again. A dramatic difference. And as you read through the New Testament, we see this idea again and again and again that when Jesus shows up, we move from darkness to life. We or from darkness to light, from death to life, right? We, we move from sin to righteousness. We learn, move from not a people to the people of God. And, and it's just said again and again and again to communicate to us 
When Jesus comes in your life, it changes the way you think, it changes the way you speak, it changes the way you act, it changes your relationships, it changes the way you work, it changes every single thing about you. And Lazarus is a, a profound example of this. Of this is, before I said yes to Jesus, I was dead, isolated, and alone. After I said yes to him, I was called back to life and called into a community that would help me walk on that path of life. So again, as you, as you read through the New Testament, you see Jesus telling us this again and again in so many different ways. You see Paul hitting on it. Peter tells us the same thing. The writer of Hebrews tells us. In fact, we'll just walk through a couple of these this morning. So uh, Jesus says in John 8, 11, to a woman who's been caught in adultery, go now and leave your life of sin. Presenting this idea to us that when we encounter Jesus, not only are we forgiven of our old way of life, but we're called into a new way of life. He puts it in different language in Matthew 13, verse 44. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Jesus is teaching us about the value of the kingdom. He's teaching us that, that it's worth giving up everything you have in your hands, in your heart, to pursue and possess what he's offering to you. The writer of Hebrews picks up on the same idea in Hebrews 12 when he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. I mean, this is... This is grave clothes language. Let us throw off everything that hinders and entangles all of our old way of life, all of our old way of thinking, all of our old way of interacting. And we don't just throw it off to stand there and enjoy our freedom, but what do we do? He says, you're going to run with perseverance the, the path, the race that Jesus has marked out for you. Again, Lazarus provides us with an example. He has to leave the grave clothes behind, and then he has to walk back to Bethany, not just away from his grave clothes, but out of the tomb, out of the cemetery, and back into the life that Jesus has for him. Paul pounds this idea into our heads and our hearts in one form or another in, in almost all of his 13 letters in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. Again, trying to make the point there is a dramatic difference, should be an observable difference in your life before Jesus and your life after Jesus. Paul tells us again in Romans 6, verse 6, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. So we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Again, we've died with it. You've got to ditch the grave clothes. You've got to come out of the grave and you've got to walk in the new way of life. Now, we could do this all afternoon. Again and again and again, all through the scriptures, we're taught that life is different when we follow Jesus. And one of the things we see in Lazarus' story and that we would see in each of these scriptures and so many more if we had time is that Jesus makes an immediate and a progressive difference. When Jesus shows up at Lazarus' tomb and calls him by name, the moment Lazarus' name leaves Jesus' lips, life is restored. And Lazarus is fully alive while still fully in the grave. 
And then as Jesus tells him, come out, Lazarus moves from where he is into the new life Jesus has, and yet he's still bound, he's still restricted, and there becomes this progressive experience he has of freedom, where he obeys, and then others come to set him free and help him obey more. And it's highlighting and kind of laying the groundwork for you and I to understand that when we say yes to Jesus, we have an immediate sanctification that occurs in our, in our hearts and our minds, where we are completely forgiven, we are completely renewed, we are put in right standing with God. When Jesus calls your name and you surrender to him as your Lord and Savior, you don't have to do anything else to be his son or his daughter. You are welcomed fully into his presence in that moment. And yet, just like Lazarus, as you move into this new life, there might still be some remnants of your old way of life that are trailing you, that are binding you, that are hindering you or entangling you. And so it's in that progressive movement of every day I'm going to surrender to the power of his spirit. Every day I'm going to surrender to the authority of the scriptures. Every day I'm going to ask the Lord to reveal where I need to move forward. Every day I'm going to surrender to the community he's placed me in and ask them to help me do that. Jesus comes and he brings life and it is immediate, but it's also progressive. And so for Lazarus, it's I'm fully alive and yet I'm, I'm stuck at the edge of the tomb. And he can't get back to Bethany until others come to help him. And it points us towards that idea of we all need help to walk in the life that Jesus has for us. You're just not going to do it on your own. And that, that's challenging for us at times because to acknowledge you need help means you have to be a little vulnerable. It means you have to let people in to the places that you'd rather not talk about. It means sometimes you have to invite people in to talk about some places you might not even know about. But we all need others. And, and the, the first reason we all need others is because God created us. He designed us to live in community. You see, the call to Christ is always a call to community. And as American Christians, sometimes we've kind of twisted this idea around and we've put such a high emphasis on individual salvation that we've lost our place in the body of Christ. And, and so we've just kind of thought, well, I, I, I prayed a prayer, right? I said, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. And so now I'm good and I don't need anyone else. It's why we have whole segments of, of Christians in America who have bought into this idea of, I love Jesus, but I, I don't need the church. Which is, is saying, I, I love him, but I don't need his body. I don't need his bride. I don't need the, the plan that he has designed for me. We were all created for community. Lazarus gets to the point where he can't do anything else. And his only hope is the obedience of the community around him. Right? And, and so for you and I, it, it, it really doesn't matter what our excuses might be. Because some of us, we, you know, we've already got them. We're ready for them. Of, no, I tried that before and I got hurt. I tried that before and it didn't work. I'm an introvert, I don't really need that. I'm an extrovert, I can't be restricted to one group of people, right? I gotta be friends with the whole world. It doesn't matter which way you land, you are designed not just to know people, not just to make appearances in community, but you are designed to be a part of a community where you know others and they know you. And you get in enough where we're able to have some of those more serious conversations of, hey, what's still got you bound up? What's hindering you? What's entangling you? What's preventing you from running the race that Jesus has marked out for you? To use the, the language of Lazarus, what grave clothes do you still have on you? Right? And, and so God's created us for community. And so if he's, if he's created us for community, then that means we're going to need some help to get the grave clothes off. There are going to be grave clothes that attach to me, that attach to you, that we can't get off on our own. 
Right? Lazarus does not stand at the exit to his tomb like some kind of first century David Blaine. I mean, it's not like, hey, y'all, watch this. Right, I'm going to get out of this. I'm getting some of you. He's a magician, right? So the straight, never mind. All right, so um, anyways, but, but he, he doesn't do that. Now, I, I imagine if they had waited long enough, maybe Lazarus would have been able to get free of those. And maybe he could have shook enough. Maybe a couple days he would have lost even more weight and they would have kind of loosened up a little bit. Maybe eventually he could have, but Jesus doesn't have time for that, neither does Lazarus. So he commands him, go get those grave clothes off of him and let him go. We are all going to reach the point in our life where we need the assistance of others to walk in the fullness of life that Jesus has called us into. And, in, and now, now you might think, well, that's not true. I mean, you know, I, I, I've learned to cope with these behaviors. Well, that's fine. I mean, I could learn to live without legs too, but I'd rather not, right? I'd rather be able to walk around. I'd rather be able to help. I'd rather, but some of us, we, we literally are trying to follow Jesus bound up by something in our past, bound up by something in our present, bound up by something that was done to us. It was something that, that we've done to someone else. And we're just convinced I'm always going to be this way. I'm always going to carry this with me. And I've just got to learn to function as good as I can with it. Basically, what we're deciding is this grave cloth is my permanent clothing. It's always going to be here. I'm always going to be bound up. I'm always going to stumble. I'm always going to fall. I'm never going to see clearly. But what we're supposed to learn from the story of Lazarus is when Jesus comes and speaks life, it's not so that you return into a bound up, halfway, kind of hope you make it kind of life. It is absolute freedom made possible through the community that God places you in. Don't settle for coping with your grave clothes. Don't settle for, well, I'm better than I used to be, or I'm better than him, or I'm better than her. Jesus did not set you free to make you a slightly better version of your old, dead self. He set you free for resurrection life which means freedom from lust, which means freedom from greed, which means freedom from abuse, which means freedom from trauma, from anger, from bitterness, from unforgiveness, from grief, from all of these things. Absolute and total freedom, but you're never going to get there on your own. I'm never going to get there on our own. We need help. Part of the reason we need help with those is is sometimes we're like Lazarus and we're so bound up, we know I can't move. Then there are other times we think, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm good, and I've got this, and, and I've taken the, the big chunks, and I've, I've got them off, and I've been set free. But, but what we want to think, too, is sometimes we, we can't see all the grave clothes. And sometimes you, you might have got the big ones off. You got them off your head, you can see. Got them off your arms, you can move. Got them off your feet, you can move. But, but there's still some that are stuck, maybe in some places that you can't see, right? There's, there's little pieces that have torn off and that have attached themselves to you. And you don't, maybe you don't even know they're there, right? Maybe they're on your back. Maybe they're on your shoe, like a piece of toilet paper in a public bathroom, right? Anybody ever had that moment? Just walking through the ballpark, walking through the mall, thinking, man, I look good today, full of pride and confidence, and and the whole time you're just trailing a piece of toilet paper all along with you. And that's what some of us are doing with our grave clothes. We think we've got it. We think we're nailing it. And everybody else is looking around like, does he know? Does Does he know the anger like we can still see it? 
Does he know the bitterness comes out when he talks about his past? Does he know we can feel the unforgiveness? Does she know we can see the insecurity? Does she know the jealousy and envy are written all over her face? Like, do, they, do they know? And the answer is sometimes no. We don't know. And we need others who will come and speak to us. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But we just got to acknowledge there are times where we just don't know. It's like we talked about last week. Maybe you grew up in a home where explosive anger, that was just another Tuesday. Right? Like, like your, your family defaulted from 0 to 11 in about 60 seconds. You communicated through yelling and screaming and cursing. And so, so you just walk around thinking this is normal. Well, sure, I cussed you out, but I love you. That's no big deal. Why are you crying? Get over it. Right? Or, or you, you work in an environment where greed is celebrated and worshipped. And, and you don't even know that you completely bought into that way of being. Or we live in a world where lust fuels relationships. Or pornography and sexual immorality are normalized and, and these things attach themselves to us. And we need others who can come. You see, when they set Lazarus free, it wasn't just enough so he could get moving. They took all the grave clothes off. Every single bit. And then when Lazarus got back to his house, there was, there was a, some kind of more in-depth cleansing that occurred. There were new clothes that had put on. In the language of Paul, the old was gone and done away with because the new was here. And so we need help. I need your help. You need my help. We need the help of the person on our right and our left to know there are times, places, spaces where the old way of life still clings to me. And then we need others because there are also times where we might like our grave clothes. Where there's just a, a portion of that old way of life. I mean, for the most part, we've embraced new life in Jesus. Like, hey, this is, this is great. I've been forgiven. I've been set free. I've left that old way of life behind me. But there's that, that one action, maybe that one relationship, maybe that one business practice, and, and we've kind of went back to it and said, you know what, that one, I think that one's okay. You take it, and you stuff it in your pocket, and you just kind of go through life, and, and maybe when you're stressed, you pull it out, you use it. Maybe when you really need to get ahead, you reach back to that. You think, no, I've, I've been set free from racism and discrimination, and then you get cut off on the highway, and oh, here it comes, because they looked different than you. And all of those old thoughts and all of that stuff starts to boil out again. What, what is that? That's a revelation that there's still some grave clothes there. So sometimes we, we need not just other people to point out the obvious, but we need close relationships with people who will come up to us and say, hey, empty your pockets. Like, let's see it all. Right? Did you ever have this experience with your little kid where they, they had something they weren't supposed to have? And they put it in their pocket. Empty your pockets. And so they'd reach like right into the top. Nothing there, mom. Nothing there, dad. So then you're like, okay, turn them inside out. And if they're super sneaky, they're like a little magician in training, they're going to reach in there and stuff that in the palm of their hand, and then they're going to pull it out. You see? Nothing there. Put your hands out. Turn them over. Open them up. Both of them. Like, you know, just that, that sneaky little kid. But some of us, like, we, we do the exact same thing. Let's talk about your anger. Okay, let's talk about it, about 
this much of it. I get angry when uh, unrighteous things happen in the world. Okay. <laughs> Empty your pockets. Okay, sometimes, sometimes, like a couple times a year, I lose my temper. Open your hands. Well, sometimes I've, I've really said some harsh things that are har- hurtful to my wife, to my kids. I've burned some bridges. Open both hands. Okay, like this is a weekly occurrence. Like I lose it. I just lose it. I lose it. I lose it. I lose it. But, but we have to be in relationship to get to that point. Right? You're, you're not going to, out to lunch afterwards and walking up to different people and be like, hey, it's in your pockets. <laughs> what are you talking about, weirdo? Get out of here. Like, no, nobody's going to do that. It takes a close friend to do that. And, and this is what, so, so we talked earlier, if you remember back a couple weeks, who are the people that were most likely at Lazarus' tomb? It seems as if Jesus showed up at the outskirts of Bethany. Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, come to Jesus. And then the disciples are with Jesus, and there's a group of mourners who gathered at Mary and Martha's home. And then Jesus goes to the cemetery, and it's, it's likely he would have went around from the edge of town he was on to the other edge of town where the cemetery was. So gathered at the cemetery, it's not that the whole town of Bethany has come out to see what's going to happen. It's Jesus and his disciples. It's Mary and Martha. It's their close friends and family who've traveled to mourn Lazarus' death with them. And so when Jesus commands, get those grave clothes off of him, this is a close, connected community. And this, if we have any hope of somebody coming and helping us get our grave clothes off, we have to be part of a close, connected community. We have to make the decision, I will let others help. Right? And, and the first part of that is, is you've got to be proactive with it. When you know you're bound up, when you know you are hindered and entangled, you have to ask for help. You have to reach out to your friends, to your family. You have to overcome your pride and you have to say, look, there are spaces where I am not free from my old way of life. There are activities, there are hindrances, there are things in my heart, in my mind, in my relationships that are preventing me from moving forward in what God is calling me to do. To reach into those spaces and say, I've been carrying this around for years, and I know it's dead, and I know it's diseased, and I know it's not good for me, but I don't know how to let it go. We have to ask for help. It comes on us first. When you know it's there, don't just sit around and think, Lord, if you really want me to get rid of this, tell someone I don't know about the deepest, darkest issues of my heart. And have them come up to me with a thus saith the Lord kind of moment. Then I'll know you want me to be free. Then I'll know you're speaking to me. But so often when Jesus is saying like, look, you know it, you sense it, I've spoken to you about it. Now just reach out and ask for help. A lot of times what we'll we'll hear in the church is, uh, well, I asked and no one wanted to help me. Now my experience as a pastor, I asked and no one wanted to help me normally means one of two things. First, it means I asked and someone offered to help me and I didn't like what they said, right? I was broke, talked to the rich guy. He told me I should budget and work. And clearly God wanted him to bail me out (laughs) and pay for my kids to go to college and give me a truck. Uh, right? And, and, and he didn't do it. So, so it's, it's one of like, no, some people did interact and we didn't like it. The other, though, is, is you, you just really haven't asked. 
right? And, and so Angie and I, we do a lot of pre-marriage counseling with young couples, and one of the things we always tell every young couple is you can never get mad at your spouse about something you haven't communicated to them in a way that they understand, multiple times usually, right? Like you've got to make it clear, to make it very clear. When it comes to getting the grave clothes off of us, it's the same thing. If it's not just, man, I, j- I just wish, I mean, all these people around here, they say they walk with the Spirit. I wish someone would be spiritual enough to identify what's wrong with me and come give me a clear path to take and just do it for me. And what Jesus is saying is, look, if, if I've spoken to you about it and you recognize it and you see it and you know what you're carrying, then go ask for help. And, and then the, the next step of that is when you ask for help, actually give others permission to help. Not like, hey, I want you to help, but... Uh, be gentle. I'd like you to help, but be kind. I'd like you to help, but as we address my grave clothes, can you please be sure to tell me they're not the worst and grossest grave clothes you've ever seen? Can you maybe even tell me they're not grave clothes, that it's fine, and I can just keep doing those things? All right, we've got to give others permission. Now, for, for Lazarus, he doesn't have this option. Because when Jesus commands, hey, get over there and get those grave clothes off, Lazarus is just like, he's subject to the people that are there. And it's probably a closer picture of what our experience should be as followers of Jesus. Not, hey, I would like you to get grave clothes off of me, but do it in the way I want, in the timing I want, in the way I want. We want to surrender ourselves to the community that God has placed us in to say, hey, get these grave clothes off of me and let me go. And that that means that we're going to have some honest conversations. It means you're going to sit down with your family, your friends at times and say, hey, look, what are the grave clothes that you see in me right now? I don't know if you've ever done that. It's a pretty vulnerable experience, right? And and so if you're on the other side of that, yes, be careful. Yes, be gentle, but please be truthful. You know, or, or sometimes like I've went to family and friends before and said, hey, I think this is something the Lord is dealing with me. What do you think about that? And they're like, yeah, (laughs) like we've been praying for you to have that realization, right? But, but in that space, you not only want to say, do you see it? But you want to say, will you help me get these off? Like, will you help me learn what it means to throw off these sins that hinder and entangle? Will you walk with me through this process? And that also means we have to, to embrace that whole process. And it is freeing, but it can be painful. And for Lazarus, the removal of the grave clothes, he's fully alive, he's resurrected, there's nothing wrong with his body anymore. But some of those might have been a little crusty. Some of those might have been a little stuck. Lazarus might have had some of those, okay, buddy, one, two, three, and we're going to pull kind of moments, right? Like the, the, the ripping the old crusty Band-Aid off that you left on far too long. Just that moment of, I've, I've got to get it off. I've got to get it out of here, right? It's removing the grave clothes isn't always a comfortable experience, but it's always a necessary experience. To walk in the new life Jesus has for us means we're going to leave all of that behind. We can't carry it with us anymore. So we're going to embrace the process. And and one of the most important parts of embracing that is you've got to to embrace hope. Hope that Jesus has called me to life. Hope that Jesus is revealing this darkness in my soul. Hope that Jesus already knows all about it and he's placed me in this community at this time, not so I'll continue to cope with it, but so I can fully and finally be set free from it. Paul, uh, Paul David Tripp is a, a pastor and author. He wrote a book called Dangerous Calling. 
And in that, he talks to us a little bit about what it means to surrender to this type of process of, of just unveiling the darkness of our heart and letting the gospel come in. And he says it, says it so well. I want to share that with you this morning. Tripp says, I must remind myself that the gospel welcomes me out of hiding. It welcomes me to face my darkest parts with hope. It assures me that there is nothing to be known about me that has not already been dealt with in the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the, the part that I would really want us to focus on is that, that last part of that first sentence. The gospel welcomes me out of hiding. It welcomes me and invites me. I mean, this is, this is it. he's describing what Lazarus does. Jesus is welcoming him, not just back to life, but out of the tomb, out of the darkness, out of the place of death, out of the clothing of death. And he knows fully what has got Lazarus there. He knows what the whole experience has been like. He knows he's going to smell. He knows it's going to be gross. He knows it's going to be nasty. And yet he says, come out. And then he tells everyone else, get those grave clothes off of him. And I think for us at times there's this fear of, I know what Jesus is calling me to, but I just am not sure he's fully considered the, the ramifications of it. Of if I'm open and honest and say, hey, you, you know what's really in my heart? It's dead and it's diseased and it's poisonous and I've carried it too long and it's just intertwined. I don't know how to get out of it. Well, what we're afraid of is that if we come out of hiding, God's going to hide from us. But he calls you out, not because he's uncertain of what's in your heart, but because he knows exactly what's in your heart. That's why he's calling you out of hiding. Right? And I love what Paul says. He welcomes me to face my darkest parts with hope. When you look at the addictions, when you look at the struggles, when you look at the spaces where you've made a thousand promises to the Lord and you've broken every single one of them, he does not look at you this morning with disgust. He looks at you with hope of, hey, if you will embrace the community I placed in, if you will start to walk in this new life, if you'll let others gather around you and start to take off these grave clothes, you will find freedom. And that's where we're moving towards. That's what we're, what we're longing for. And so then the, the question we're asking today is, well, then who's going to help me? Who is going to help me? And so, so we've put some things up here for you. Now, initially, you might look at that and think, well, that's just a list of ministries at Christian Chapel. Right? And, and you're right. But our goal for every single one of those is not that they are a program, not that they're an item on a calendar, not that they're a justification for our pastoral staff, but that every one of those are a space where grave clothes are being removed, the new life of Jesus is being realized, and we are helping each other walk in it. So from Chapel Kids... We are hoping to teach our children Jesus has set you free. And I don't know about you, but as a parent, I hope my kids avoid some of the grave clothes that I had to deal with. Right? And that's what Pastor Amy and our team is doing. They're here to partner with you. I know some of you are first-generation Christians, and you're saying, I don't know what it looks like to raise kids in a relationship with Jesus. And we're here saying, that's awesome. Let's do it together. Because some of us have been there. Some of us have experienced it. We've seen where it goes right. We've seen where it goes wrong. We want to walk that path with you. All right, Chapel Youth, that's a grave clothes ministry. I mean, you, it, you remember your own teenage years. They were hard, right? 
Like the farther you get, you're like, no, it was all fun and games. I loved it. That just means you got old, right? Being a teenager is hard. It's difficult. You're insecure. You're uncertain. And I, I would say it's probably harder today than it was when I was a kid, than it was when many of us were kids, because there's just so much more. There's more temptation. There's more pressure. There's more anxiety. There's more depression. There's more opportunities to compare yourself with people you'll never know and places you'll never go and to feel inferior and to feel inadequate. There's more opportunities to jump into dark, dark places. And they can do all of that from the privacy of your home with their phone. Right? And, and so what's Chapel Youth? It's a place for, for teenagers to come and to be surrounded by Pastor Kareem and other adults who are saying, hey, let's get those grave clothes off. Hey, this is what that's trying to do to you. But Jesus has a plan. He has freedom. He has life. You've got a place you need to go. But as parents, our job is we've got to get our kids there. From elementary to junior high to high school, we've got to maintain that priority. One of the greatest gifts that Christian Chapel can give to you as a parent is other adults who are on the same page longing for God's best in the life of your child. But if we don't see them, we can't help you. And I get it. We've got, Angie and I, we've got three, uh, two, almost three teenagers. And life is busy. And anything our kids do, it seems like there's a, a line of people a mile long ready to take all of our time and all of our money to help them do it better. Whether it's sports or school or any activity, right? Like just all of it. And so for us, it's a, a daily, an intentional effort. Uh, it's a calendar effort of, no, you, you can't do that because you're here. You can't do that because we want to build that relationship. And, and I, I know some of you parents, you've had the same experience I have where, where your child comes home and they tell you something they learned in Chapel Kids. They tell you something they learned in Chapel Youth. They tell you something Pastor Cream said or their D group leader said. And there's, there's like a, a, a war that goes on inside you as a parent. Right? And, and so for me, they'll come home and they'll be like, Dad, Pastor Cream said this about how God has a plan for my life. And so the, the really positive side is like, yes, awesome, embrace it. And then the negative side is like, I've said that for 16 years. He said it for 16 minutes. Come on, son. Give me some credit, right? There's that moment. Maybe not. Maybe you're better parents than I am. You're just like, hey, that's good. Right? But, but what do we need? We, I mean, you know, you remember that as a teenager. You hear the words of other adults different than the way you hear the words of your parents. And as parents, that doesn't mean we check out and just say, hey, okay, Pastor Kareem, make them Christian. Doesn't turn out. It's on you, bro, Right? Your kid's a little terror. It's not Pastor Amy's fault. But we'd like to help make them less terrible. We'd like to help them learn that they can be more tolerable. We'd like to help them learn that Jesus has a purpose and a plan for their life. We'd like to help them see that, that everything he's put in them, he's going to use for his good, for his, his glory. But we want to partner with you in that, right? Chapel kids, chapel youth, home groups. I mean, that now, now we're going to get to it. So it's easy then of like, yeah, those kids and teenagers should do that. So now, now let's get in our business. Restoration happens in relationship. And relationship does not occur in rows on a Sunday morning. It doesn't occur in five minutes in the foyer on your way out the door. It occurs through intentional investments of your time with other believers who are committed to the Lord. And at Christian Chapel, one of the best ways that we try to do that is through our home groups. It's a place where we're saying, hey, come in our homes. Let's get together. We're going to eat. We're going to pray. We're going to talk about what the Lord is doing in our life. Right, and, and our hope then is that home group is not the sum of that relationship, but it's the launching point for that relationship. That you're spending other time in other places learning and growing and being together. We're going to do it when we worship. 
When we come in and sing together, that's a grave closed ministry. We're going to sing about the glory of God. We're going to sing about the power of God. We're going to sing about his ability to bring love and joy and peace and hope in every situation. And I, I know there are times you're singing that and you're thinking, that's not my reality. In that space, don't dismiss the song, but embrace the process. God's trying to say, I know that's not your reality, but it's what I've made you for and it's what I'm bringing you back to. He's trying to lift your eyes up. We're going to do it through our preaching. We're going to come to the scriptures and say, what do these mean for us today? We're not coming in with our like, hey, here's what I want, so I'm going to find one scripture to make my point and then beat us all over the head with it. We're just going to surrender to the scriptures and we're going to stay in them. We're going to say, Lord, will you speak? Will you move? And I know for me, for anyone who's up here preaching on a Sunday, we've made a commitment to the Lord of we're going to study, we're going to pray, and we're going to preach our guts out. But then there, there comes that moment for all of us of we've heard the truth of the scriptures, we've heard them proclaimed and applied, but now will we take action? Now will we walk in it? Now will we live in it? And one of the ways we're going to do that is we're going to pray. Never underestimate the power of others praying with you to reveal your grave clothes. All right, we, we should be wearing out the path to that prayer room. You should be blowing up that christianchapel.com slash prayer page. It's again and again and again. Like the prayer room's not for crisis it is, but it's also for everything else. It's for every opportunity. It's a, a space to say, Lord, will you speak? Will you hear? It's one of the reasons we're, we're renovating that in the renovation. So it's not like, hey, out the back doors, sneak through the Welcome Center, and then you'll find it. Right? But it's going to be big. It's going to be obvious. And hopefully it's going to be even more useful for us. Never underestimate what it means to pray together. Conquer groups. All right, so, so it's almost like we're just getting more and more uncomfortable. So, so let's just talk here for a minute. Conquer groups, if you're not familiar with those are, Conquer is a program designed to help men be set free from sexual addiction and from pornography. And we've been running those groups for four or five years at Christian Chapel. And, and I, I want to say, first of all, to our church of well done. Because you all have created an environment where it is not only acceptable, but it is normal and encouraged for men to find freedom in an area that, that the church world historically has said, we don't talk about that, and if you admit it, we're going to shame you for it. So every Wednesday night, we've got these groups, and there are men who are going to it, and they're finding freedom, they're finding joy, they're finding life, they're understanding porn is not just something that Christian men have to, live how, how to, have to learn how to live with. But it's a sinful, destructive device of the enemy to separate us from God, to separate us from our spouse, to separate us from the path and the plan that God has for us. And in that group, there, I mean, there are dozens and dozens of stories of men who have found freedom, who found hope, whose joy has been restored, who have stepped into positions of impact and leadership because they have finally let those grave clothes go. And they didn't do it on their own. They did it with other men who'd walked that process with them. And ladies, we've, we've got women lined up ready to mentor you through the same process because it's not, it's not just a like, oh man, yeah, men, get it together, right? This is, is a prevalent, destructive disease in our nation and in our world. So as followers of Jesus, we're not just going to accept, of, okay, well, we better learn how to live with it. We're going to say, no, 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 we're going to come out from that. We're going to take off what hinders and entangles. We're going to leave the old dead way of life behind. Right, same thing with counseling. Like we, we don't have counselors on staff at Christian Chapel, but we have connections with a lot of Christian counselors in town. We'd love to refer them to you. There's no shame there. Like I, I've, I've seen a counselor. My wife and I have seen a counselor. It's great to have a, an independent, unconnected, godly person to speak into your situation. 
right? And, and I know sometimes there's that fear of like, yeah, but you got to pay for it. Well, yes, but you pay for your gym memberships and you pay for your Whole Foods and you pay for your McDonald's and you pay for, you know, what, whichever direction you go, you pay for it. You pay for the things that matter and, and sometimes you just need that space. So if you need help, let us know. We'd be happy to get you connected. It's grief share for, for people who are suffering loss. It's just people who come alongside of you and say, you know what? Grief always brings grave clothes for all of us. You lose a parent, you lose a spouse, you lose a child. It's going to come. It's going to come heavy. And if you're not intentional, it will wrap you up. It will bind you and it will keep you stuck. But through grief share, there are other people who've walked that path and they're going to come alongside of you and say, hey, here's, here's how joy can be restored. Here's how you can grieve that loss honorably in ways that honor the Lord, in ways that invite his presence into it. And here's how he's going to lead you out. And laughter will return and joy will return. And there is another day and we do have a hope of resurrection. And we've got others, teen challenge for people with life addicting, uh, life controlling issues, drug and alcohol abuse. There's freedom to be found. There's marriage mentoring. If you're in a spot where you say, hey, we're just not where we want to be. There's some grave clothes that are hanging on us. Those will help you. Those will lead you into a life of freedom. But all of these require all of us to do two things. One, to say, I'm ready to get my grave clothes off. And two, to surrender to the community God has placed us in. And so this morning, I just want want to ask you, the band's going to come back, they're going to lead us in a final song of, are you ready to get those grave clothes off? Are you ready to be free? Are you ready to walk a path of life? Are you tired of being hindered and entangled? Are you tired of being bound up? Are you exhausted from this attempt to hide and disguise the things that are really going on in your soul? Because if so, freedom starts today. It begins with that surrender of, okay, Lord, I'll do it. It begins with asking for help. It might begin with that march to the prayer room, sending that email, sending the text, calling the friend. But as you engage the process, Jesus brings freedom. Lazarus didn't stay bound up at the tomb. He went back to town. He had dinner with his family. He went back to work. He started to worship. He told jokes. He told his story. He lived his life. And that's God's plan for you. That's God's plan for me complete and total freedom. But it's going to come through the work of Jesus Christ and the community that he's placed us in. Will you stand with me so I can pray for you? Jesus, we come to you this morning aware of our need for you and asking you, Lord, to come and intervene. Will you come and bring freedom? Will you come and bring hope? Will you come and bring life? Jesus, I pray for those of us who we recognize the grave clothes that we're struggling with today. We see the places where we are hindered and where we're entangled. Lord, we we feel the pressure. We feel the anxiety. We just can't get rid of it. We can't get out of it. Lord, today, will you come and begin to speak words of hope? Will you remind us that you are welcoming us out of hiding today? That you know it all and you've dealt with it all. Jesus, will you come and remind us there is a path to life and give us the courage to follow you on it. Lord, I pray for men and women this morning who they've they've struggled with issues and behaviors and sins for decades. Today, Lord, will you restore the hope and the joy of their salvation? Today, Lord, will they hear not only are you calling them to life, but you're calling them to walk in freedom. Lord, we pray today that you would reveal and remove these things that have us bound. 
We surrender to your power. We surrender to your presence. Lord, we lay down our pride. We lay down our concerns for our appearance. We lay down our doubts about your ability to actually set us free. And today we come, we seek, we ask, and we receive the freedom that Jesus has brought to us. Lord, we thank you for your freedom. Help us to walk in it. Help us to help each other walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like someone to join with you in prayers to get those grave clothes off or for any other needs you might have in your life, head out those back doors and to your left, drop it off at christianchapel.com slash prayer. The rest of us, we're gonna sing this final song as a reminder of the victory of Christ over everything that binds us. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.